0: Everyone and welcome to the Dr. Bill Telephone Education Series. Dr. Bill Takeshida is a fellow of the American Academy of Optometry and, um, low vision, and, and, and a developmental low vision specialist and serves as a consulting director of low vision training here at Braille Institute in Los Angeles. Dr. Bill is a renowned um, lecturer and he's, ex- he's lectured extensively across the country on the topics of pediatric eye conditions and low vision rehabilitation. And We're very fortunate to have him on this call tonight. Dr. Bill's telephone series is an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with young children with visual impairment. The topics presented should not be considered a medical or educational consultation, but information to help us better understand pediatric eye conditions. Today's topic is developing your child's ability to process visual information. Thank you, Dr. Bill and Ayers LA for recording this program.
1: Well, thank you, Sue, and yes, we'd like to thank Arizona for all the recordings that they do, and uh, we'll certainly have this available for everybody to listen to and share with others. Now, this evening, we're going to talk about a topic that is very, very interesting, because it is something that many people have not heard about, and this is the topic of visual processing also known as visual perception. In the past, we've talked about how important it is to have healthy eyes that would allow us to receive light and so that that light could focus on the retina and send signals to the brain. But the other component of vision that we often don't think about is, how is it that these electrical signals that are sent from the eyes to the brain, how is it that those electrical signals can create these pictures that we see? When we look at a flower, or when we look at the television, or we look outside at the beautiful mountains, we truly do see a vivid picture. And it's very interesting to understand how is it that these electrical signals, these impulses, that are sent from the eyes can be received by the brain and create these pictures that we are able to understand. This is the concept of visual perception and visual processing. And this particular type of visual development is something that occurs very, very early on in life and it continues to occur as we grow older. As a result, It's very interesting that when we see a newborn baby, the newborn baby may be able to see a light that is turned on and off, or the baby may be able to see a picture of a a black square on a white background. But in terms of understanding what these things are or knowing what these things can do, this is something that the newborn child does not know. And it is only with experience, it's only with experience that the child begins to later learn what these visual images are. Now, vision is a skill that is truly developed. At birth, a child's eyes really can only focus clearly at a distance of 8 to 16 inches. And what the child sees at birth, it is not very clear at all. The level of vision of a child who is a newborn is on the order of 20 over 1,000. Now, if any of you had vision 20 over 1,000, you would realize that you really just don't see that well. You would be reluctant to get into a car to drive or You would have difficulty walking up and down steps and curbs and you definitely would not be able to read. But what you do see is you do have that ability to see light and you have that ability to see black and white. And when you do see these particular types of images, it is something that grabs your attention. Now, as a child grows older, We know by the second month of life, a child is developing some sense of color vision. And by the third month of life, a child is able to see the three primary types of colors. So when we see the child is growing older, they could differentiate and see the difference between something that is black versus something that is red or green, and this allows a child to have more information about what these objects are. For example, a child might be able to identify his or her favorite toy based on the development of color vision during that early three-month span period. But as a child starts to grab that toy and shake it, the child will learn that this toy could also make noise. So they then associate that objects of this particular color can be shaken and it might make noise. And let's say, for example, that a a little baby will pick up a red ball and there's a bell in it. That child might pick up that red ball and shake it. But then for whatever reason, the child sees that there's a red ball of yarn on the sofa. That child will pick up that red ball of yarn and think that this is her favorite toy and shake it, but it doesn't ring the bell. The child will then feel it and will feel that this ball of yarn feels different than that plastic ball. And they then learn that, well, we could have two different types of things that are red, and they might actually feel different. And one will make noise and one will not. And as a child goes through life, the child is going to gain more of these different types of visual experiences and the child will learn. And they'll learn how things look is going to give them information as to how to identify something. So this is the first concept of visual perception, and that is, do they have the ability to discriminate what the object is? Can they discriminate the difference between mom's face and dad's face? Or can they discriminate the difference between mom's face, and a drawing of a face. These are all things that the child will learn to develop this kind of discrimination as a child gains more and more and more experiences of faces. So how do we develop visual discrimination? Now visual discrimination is going to again mean that the child is able to tell the difference between objects that are presented to him or her. So the best way to begin to develop visual discrimination is to show the child these different types of toys or objects or shapes. Let's say that we have a newborn child and we want to begin to develop the differences between different types of shapes. Well, we could create pictures using a large piece of paper, and we could use different types of paint, for example, or we could use the very, very thick dry erase markers, and we would be able to draw a circle, and we could draw on another sheet of paper a square, and we could also maybe draw on another sheet of paper a triangle. And as we show the children these different pictures, even on a very, very passive level, we might just put these pictures right up next to the baby's crib so the baby can look at it when the baby is awake. You would then notice that the baby will move his or her head to look at these different pictures. And this is the way that when the brain receives the signals from the eyes for these pictures, the visual cortex of the brain would then become stimulated. And those cells will then be able to identify that this is a square. It has four different sides to it. And this is a circle, which is completely round. And this is a triangle. And just from those particular types of experiences, the brain will, quote, burn in those types of visual images. So when you see these different toys that are available for newborns, and they look so simple, but your friends might say, God, you're such a nerd. You're putting geometric shapes in front of your kids' eyes. What are you trying to do? Well, you are actually developing visual discrimination sense. You can also develop the child's ability to discriminate these particular types of pictures and shapes by using pictures. When the child is at the age of six months, the child is now able to see things more clearly at six months. And we don't necessarily have to use only the black-and-white types of contrasts, we could use photographs of your face. So you can take a photograph of your face, and some of the things that you could do to enhance the contrast of the picture would be to use a Mark lot pen and draw the silhouette. You might also draw the outline of your eyes. And this will really attract the child's visual attention to it. You could have a picture of dad and mom and of baby brother and present these at a distance of about 8 to 16 inches. And this will allow the child to begin to develop this particular type of discrimination of these faces. And as the child grows older, we could use other real toys. And real pictures and books. So it's very, very helpful even at a very young age to show the child many different types of objects and pictures and drawings and you could use books and things as well. What I recommend as we're doing this for children during the first year of their life, when we're showing them a picture or a book or an object, that we try to present the picture or the book or the object in a very empty background. We don't want to dump out every toy that the child has on the floor and let the child look at the toys that way. Rather, we'd like to keep it empty. Maybe we'll have a blanket that's a solid color, and then we'll put two or three toys that the child could look at and reach, shake, shake, and play. And this is how the child could develop that type of visual discrimination. Now another very important visual skill for a child to develop is visual memory. And when we talk about memory, we want to know whether or not this child is able to see something for a shorter period of time and recognize that the child has seen that before. So it could be something such as these same pictures of dad, mom, and brother or so, and we could go ahead and we could play the game where we're going to ask the child to try to find, where's mommy? Where's mommy's picture? And we could let the child look as long as the child likes, and the child may then begin to find that picture The child might do it by simply moving the head and the eyes so he or she could see, Mom. Or if the child is a little bit older and more advanced, the child may then reach for that picture and touch it. So this is something that we could do with a prolonged exposure. Show the pictures for as long as we would like. Now, what we could also do to develop the visual memory is that we could go ahead and we could begin to cover those pictures for a short period of time. So we might go ahead and let the child see all three pictures, and then we're going to cover all three pictures. Maybe we use a poster board. And we say, where was mommy's picture? And we want to see, does the child remember, where was the location of mom's picture? Now, this particular type of concept of being able to remember what has been seen before, this is something that develops with time. So we may then need to reveal the picture again and then to cover it again. And where's mommy's picture? And the child's going to look, look, look. I don't see any picture. And then we're going to reveal the pictures. The child will see it, and then we cover it. And then the child will then learn that that picture, which was there and disappeared, and then reappeared and disappeared, that picture is actually still there. This is something that's called object permanence. And this is something that develops later in life with children. Generally between, I believe it might be closer towards their second year that they truly understand that concept real well but they will develop that ability to remember what they see when we show it to them for a shorter period of time. We don't have to show them the picture for an extended period of time. And that's how we could develop the beginning of visual memory. Another way that we could develop visual memory is that we could also play a game when the child starts to get a bit older. When they're about two years of age, three years of age, we could take some of the child's favorite items. Maybe it's a child's favorite drink. Maybe it's orange juice. Maybe it's a slice of an apple. Maybe it's going to be, you know, certain types of crackers. And what we want to do is that we want to teach the child to imitate, imitate The placement of these objects. So we're going to lay out orange juice, an apple, and a cracker from left to right on the table. And then we're going to give the child the same items. And we're then going to show the child how to put the orange juice underneath the other orange juice, how to put the apple underneath the other apple, and how to put the crackers underneath the other crackers. And we're going to do this game many, many times, and we could use different objects and put them in different order. This is a way that a child will then learn how to imitate or to place things in a position where the child will be able to imitate that. Now, if we're talking about a two-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, they may only be able to do two objects. As they get closer to three, they may be able to do three objects. But this is a game that is very, very good to do because the child understands the concept of copying. And this will later help the child when the child learns to draw and to print, where they're learning to copy. The other thing that this kind of activity will also do is we could begin to teach the child how to sequence, to do things in order, beginning from left to right. Now, it's very difficult for a two-year-old or a three-year-old to truly understand what the term left and right means. But we can develop the child's ability to know how to do things from left to right. So if they're going to replicate the sequence of items that they will always begin at the left side and then move to the right. When we develop that type of left-to-right sequencing, it makes reading and writing much, much easier for these kids. So let's say that we get to the point where the child is able to match a pattern of two objects. We then start to incorporate the higher-level processing of visual memory. So we're going to put down the two objects. Let's say that we put down the orange juice and the crackers. Well, we let the child see it, and we let the child build it. Now, after the child has successfully built it, we're now going to work on the visual memory, and we're going to cover it we will cover what we have so the child cannot see it. And then we will open the cover so the child could see it for three seconds. And we cover it again. And we ask the child to build it. In this case, the child has to build it based on their visual memory. And this is something that kids will learn to develop that sense of visual memory very, very quickly. As we proceed, we could let the child, they could go ahead and select other items that they're going to copy. So maybe we're going to get a Barbie doll, and now we also have a Hot Wheel car, and we have a DVD movie. Well, we could put three things down in sequence, have them copy it. Now we're going to go ahead and cover it, and have them copy it again based on visual memory. So this is another very, very good type of game that we can do with the kids. Now, as kids get a bit older, we can elaborate on this activity, and we could use things such as flashcards. Or if you take photographs, you can create photographs but print two copies of it. So, that they are matching photographs. There could be two pictures of dad, two pictures of mom, two pictures of the dog, and they are all identical pictures. Well, what you might do then is as a child becomes older, three to four years of age, we want to develop their ability to process two dimensional images. And these are going to be things that are going to be very, very different for the child because the child thus far has been accustomed to using real people or real toys or real objects. But we now want to use these pictures and we want to see if the child is able to associate these photographs with the real object. So the first part of this game is We're going to get three or four different items. Let's say we get the Barbie doll. We have an apple. We have a banana. And we have a Hot Wheel car. We're going to now get those photographs of those items. And we're going to see if the child is able to place the photograph next to the actual object. For some kids they may not even have that ability to understand yet that there is a picture on that photograph. They're just looking at the photograph itself, but they're not looking for the picture in the photograph. But with time, the child will be able to then identify that there is a Barbie doll in that picture, and they will place that picture next to the Barbie doll they will see that there is a hot wheel car in that photograph and they will see that there is an apple in that photograph this is how the child learns the association between a real object and a two-dimensional picture and this is very 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 important skill to develop we see so often there are many kids in elementary school that they do not have a strong concept that these images are representative of the real object. When you take these photographs of these real objects, it is also important that the first photographs that you take of these are done on an empty background. We want it to be an empty background so that the only thing that the child sees in that photograph is that object that we want the child to see. Also, we would like to make it so that when you do take these photographs, you zoom in so that the object is fairly large in the photograph. This will help some of the kids who might have reduced visual acuity to be able to identify that picture in the photograph. But even a child who is legally blind will be able to identify these objects in these photographs if we take the photographs such that it encompasses most of the frame. So once we go ahead, we could then expand the number of items that we take photographs with and just allow your child to match them with real objects you could then make it a little bit more challenging after the child has really mastered that ability. Well, we are now only going to use the photographs. And we're going to place maybe four photographs on the table, and we're going to let your child go through the remaining photographs and find the matching photograph. So this is really a matching game. We're matching one photograph with another photograph. As a child gets better, we can increase the number of photographs. Maybe we're using six on the table or eight on the table and let the child begin to match those. Once a child is able to match photograph for photograph, we then could play the game that you might remember, which is a visual memory game called Concentration. And concentration's a game where you'll take the pictures and you'll turn them upside down on the table so the child cannot see what the photograph is. And the child will flip over one picture and then flip over a second picture and the child's going to try to get a match. If the child gets a match, the child gets to take those two pictures and keep those in his or her pile, and that's how that child gets points. If the child flips over two pictures, and they don't match, the child will turn those pictures back over, and then it will be your turn to try to match two pictures. Now, obviously, as we're playing this game, try not to get these answers correct you want to get them wrong so that your child gets more exposure to see where are these pictures. But you will soon see that the child will learn to remember the location of these pictures. And this is how the child can again develop that type of visual memory. So as you could see we're proceeding from very, very basic concepts of geometry, then we're moving towards real objects and real people that the child will encounter in his or her everyday life, and then we're moving towards photographs of these real objects and real people, and the last stage will be for kids who are older, and we're talking about generally four or five six years of age, and this is where we will make illustrations, illustrations of these objects. And the reason we use these illustrations is because in many workbooks at school, they don't always have the funds to take photographs of everything. It might be a workbook, and there's a word problem. And they want to show that Mary ate two apples and gave one to Johnny. Well, they're going to use stick figure drawings or other types of drawings. And believe it or not, many kids with low vision, they do not understand that these drawings of an apple represent an apple. One of the reasons that they don't understand it is because these stick figure drawings don't have the same color. These kids often rely on color to know that this is an apple. These, these stick figure drawings also don't feel like anything. These kids can't touch that picture and feel that it's an apple, nor can they smell it and realize that it's an apple. So we could do the same sort of thing where we will take some of these toys or objects that the child loves and you will draw some very basic schematic representations of it. You will use a dry erase marker and you will draw a picture of an apple. You will draw a picture of a carton of milk. You will draw a picture of a pencil and you will see if the child is now able to match these drawings with the real objects. And this is when we really understand if a child is able to do this, this is the level that a child is truly able to understand what's in many of their workbooks and things at school. Now, what are some of the other types of visual skills that we perceptually want to develop in kids? Another one is what is called figure-ground discrimination. Figure-ground discrimination. And it's really a big word, but we're really talking about can the child find the object that's hidden within the background? You know, that's why we've talked about making a picture with only one object in that picture or only one object in that drawing. Well, now we're going to go ahead and make it more realistic in life where there's multiple things in the picture. Many times you might be with your child and your three-year-old child is saying, Mom, I can't find my shoes. Where's my shoes? And you said, it's right there in your closet. I just put them there in your closet. And the child says, I can't find it. And you go over there and you think, what happened to the shoes? And you see that the shoes are right there. But also on the floor, we have a soccer ball. We have roller blades, We got baseballs. We got Barbie dolls. We got all these other things that are also on the floor. The reason that many young children can't find things is because if there's other objects in that same area, it confuses the brain and the brain cannot locate it. So we need to develop their figure-ground perception. The way that we do this is we begin to play games where we're going to incorporate more than just one item on the plate. One item on the plate would be easy for the child to find, but if we have more than one item on the plate, it gets a little more difficult. So, for example, let's say that we put some grapes on the plate, but we also then sliced up some slices of bananas and a few oranges on there. Well, we may find that the child cannot find the grapes on there. Because the oranges are brighter, but the child is able to smell the fragrance of the banana more. So we could play games where we're going to put three or four items on a plate and we can ask the child, okay, this time find a apple. And they're going to look and search for the apple and then they can eat it. Find a grape. Find a banana. And you could change what you ask them to look for. As they learn to grasp this particular concept, we can then do this with other things that they love. We could use their toys, and you could empty out half of that toy box. And maybe we have six or seven toys on the floor, and we want them to find a particular toy of interest. Okay? Simon says, find the blue car, and the child's got to look amongst that pile of toys, see if he could find that blue car, and then you could put that car back in there, and then this time, you let your child tell you, find the Barbie doll, and you have to try to find a Barbie doll in there. So as we increase the number of items on the page or on the table or on the floor, it really starts to develop the sense of figure-ground discrimination. Now, when we're doing this type of an activity, it's usually designed for kids who are older than two, kids who could understand language fairly well as you're telling the child what to grab. We also find that You could do the same sort of thing if the child is able to understand the pictures. We could spread all of the photographs that you've taken on the table. And you could say, find Grandma Beth. Where's Grandma Beth? And the child's got to look at all of these pictures. We could teach the child, as the child is scanning through these pictures too, how to actually scan We could teach a child to scan from left to right going through these photographs. We could also teach the child how to separate those items that the child has already looked at. So if a child is going through the photographs, start at the left and look at the picture on the top left. Is that grandma? Nope. Okay, let's move it into this pile over here. Is this next picture is this grandma no nope. i'm going to put this picture in the pile in other words a child by moving the picture to this pile learns about the process of elimination and then the third level of this would be can the child do the same kind of an activity with the drawings that you did We drew the pencil, the apple, the Barbie doll, the carton of milk. And we can ask the child to look for those. And we make these things into a game that way. If a child is able to do it with those drawings that you have made, this is a good time that you could also advance into different types of books. Many of these books are called like the hidden picture books or the I Spy books. You can check these books out at the library. And these are really good books that could help a child to develop greater levels of visual attention. When you're sitting down and you're asking a child to try to find an object that's within these pictures, visual attention develops. Visual processing develops. And... What we know is that there's many, many children who have vision problems, such as cortical vision impairment. This is where the visual centers of the brain have problems. Kids who have autism and also many kids who have attention problems, they have very, very, very poor figure ground skills. So there have been many kids that we have seen who are in elementary school and the parents bring them in for a vision exam because these kids cannot pay attention to the books at school. And we do our examination and we are able to determine that the child has reduced figure-ground discrimination. We go ahead and start working on these kinds of games and before long we see that the child's able to sit for five minutes. Now it's 10 minutes. And now it's 15 minutes. So these are things that parents could do at home with the children. And these are also things that are available in software programs to use on the computer as well. So figure-ground discrimination is one that's very, very important. Now, Another activity that is very, very helpful to use for kids is to develop their visual-spatial perception. Do they understand that there's a relevance in the direction that something is pointing? You know, for most of the things that a child looks at, it doesn't matter what direction it's facing. When a child sees mom... They just have to know, is that mom or is that dad? When they see a milk bottle, they just have to see if that's their milk bottle. If it's pointing one direction or another, it doesn't matter. When they're getting their Barbie dolls or other toys, it doesn't matter if it's looking to the left or looking to the right. But as a child grows older and is going to begin to learn to identify letters and numbers, we see that the direction that something is facing becomes more and more important. And this is going to be the spatial perception. So one of the first ways to develop this type of spatial perception is to use puzzles. There are some very basic puzzles called the FORM, F-O-R-M board puzzles. And these use wooden blocks. The blocks are very large, so very young children can learn to do this. And there's different shapes, and they will learn how to identify the shape and put that shape into the cutout in the correct position. Now, there are certain levels of these blocks where it becomes a bit more complicated, where the triangle is such that the triangle has to be put in in a precise way. These triangles are not an equilateral triangle where each side is the same length. So when you have a triangle that has different lengths on each side, they have to understand where to place it and what direction to place it. So these types of puzzles are very, very good for a child to perform. Another thing that's also very good are to use tangram blocks. And tangram blocks—they're available at educational stores such as Lakeshore. There are seven different shape blocks, and what's good to do is to buy two sets of the tangram blocks. Get them in different colors, and what you could do is you could put one block down on the table and see if your child could place his block on top of your block in that same directional order. They might use the correct block, but if they have it facing the wrong direction, we want them to explore and to learn how to rotate or to flip that block so it's in the correct direction. So this becomes sort of a fun game that you could do, again, with your child. All of these things, you can make them into a fun game so it doesn't seem like that they're doing homework. But after the child gets older, say at three to four years of age, we could then ask the child to replicate your pattern of blocks. In other words, don't build your blocks on top of my blocks, but can you build your blocks so it looks like mine below it? And this way, the child will have to learn that there is a relevance in the direction that the blocks are pointing and the placement of where the blocks are. For example, let's say that we put down a square and a triangle on the right side of the square. Well, there's going to be a lot of kids that will just get the square and the triangle and put it anywhere. They don't understand that it has to be on the right side of the triangle. So you could play these particular types of games so that the child could learn the importance of where it needs to be. Now, one of the ways that you could teach the child that she put it on the wrong side is when you use your blocks Use a clear clear piece of plastic. It might be a plastic from a, a picture frame. And you could use that very sticky type of silly putty. I think it's called tacky something. But you could put a little dab of that under the block, and you could put your block on that plastic. This way your blocks will not move. Now, you ask the child to copy the pattern that you have made and the child will put his or her blocks on the table and you will then be able to show the child that it's a little different how the child did it by lifting up the piece of plastic and superimposing it on top of your child's blocks. This is a way that the child could look through your piece of plastic and see, uh uh-oh, I put my triangle on the left side and it's supposed to come over here on the other side. And that is the way that you could begin to teach the child the understanding of spatial perception that it's important if something is on the right side, the left side above or below. Now, when the child becomes older, say four and a half to five, we can make these kinds of activities a little bit more challenging where we could then allow the child to start to learn to draw in this manner. They will try to copy what you have drawn. So you might have a vertical line and then you have a circle on the right side of it. And the child will try to copy the same thing. This will be a way that the child can learn the relevance of where the circle is when they're drawing the letter B versus the letter D or P and Q. So overall, these are the sequence of some of the activities that could be done for kids during their early years of life. And remember, every game and every toy that you play with a child, you could be very creative and it becomes a visual perception activity. So right now, let's go ahead and unmute your phone uh, by pressing star six. And if you have any questions, or I know that many of you have ideas you would like to share, uh, share some activities that you use with kids that are helpful in developing their visual processing skills. Okay. Does anybody have any questions or any suggestions?
2: Dr. Bill?
1: Yes. Hi. Thank you.
2: Hi. It's Nancy. I finally figured out how to mute my phone. Um, I I do a lot of what what you said, take photographs of the actual objects, and especially Mm -hmm. using objects that the child's familiar with. So for some of these kiddos who really aren't, um, maybe they have language delays, it really shows us a lot when they're able to match. Um, Oh, that's that's true. That's so true. So you're able to see that
1: some of the kids can match the pictures, but they just cannot name them.
2: Right. Because they're not, their language hasn't developed, and some of them have you know, physical reasons that their speech has not developed. But it's it's pretty exciting to see. And then I did another fun activity because I a lot of times with my book that I, like I do Goodnight Moon, and I have all the little animals that go with it. Um, and so the kids have to line them up in the order the picture but I had a little table and I set them up on the table and took a picture of it so it's flat mm-hmm. and then they they have to put the animals on the table in the right order.
1: Oh and that's a great one. Yeah Mid- it's Midnight cool. Moon is the book? It's Goodnight Moon. Good night Good gorilla night Moon.
2: actually. Good night gorilla. Yeah.
1: Good night gorilla Oh, my God, that that would be a great book to use. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. And the kids really, yeah, they really enjoy that activity. So it's not, you know, it's not like an academic activity. It's a play activity that is kind of academic.
1: Yes. We could make so many things that are playful into academics just as long as we understand what we're doing. And What you said is so important because many times a child is diagnosed with a vision problem and then they think that this child cannot see this object and that's why the child can't name it. But by the way that you did things with the photographs and matching, you know the child could see it and this is a language problem and you have have saved that child by helping them to diagnose that language problem. That is wonderful. Very good. Does anybody else have any other uh, suggestions of activities that they have used in terms of just developing kids' vision? Uh, you know, other there's many other fun games, too. You could play catch using a big beach ball. You could let the kids play soccer with a giant beach ball. And then with time... Use smaller and smaller and smaller balls. And this will develop their accuracy of their depth perception and eye-hand coordination. I mean, there's so many very, very good games that could be done. Sue, do you have any other announcements then?
0: That, well, I think not really tonight, but um, that was great information, Dr. Bill. I just got me, it's got us all thinking, I'm sure, about um, what, can, what we can be doing to, to develop visual processing and, and keep it fun? I, I've seen Nancy do those activities, that that kind of game with the book, and it's really fun. Everybody, yeah. it's, it's really fun to get together and just, cut, just start sharing ideas. So this is great. So thanks so much for for, for sharing all this great information. Thanks again, Dr. Bill, and thank you, Dr. And thank you, Dick Bird. And this is great. Um, our next next month, and on June 13th, we'll be t- we'll be talking about when to introduce your child to assistive, assistive technology, and I think that will be another great topic. Um, and I know we just covered some of this at our next last birth to Vision network, and families had great um, great questions, so I'm looking forward to this one.
1: Great. So uh, we thank all of you for listening, and this podcast will be available on. Braille mm-hmm. www.brailleinstitute.org, and also on um, airsla at www.airsla.org. Okay, good night everybody, thank you.